Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for this time we have together. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word for August 5th. Please give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and enthusiasm to know your calling, Lord. Thank you for guiding us, Lord, and guiding us and guiding us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now we're going to be reading uh, from Ezra. Chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 70. In the first king, in the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdoms. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem, and may your God be with you. Whoever this Jewish remnant is found, wherever, let their neighbors contribute towards their expenses by giving them silver and gold. Supplies for the journey and livestock, as well as voluntary offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold. Supplies for the journey and livestock. They gave them many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles of, that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed Mitradath, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Sheshbazar, the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. This is the list of the items that were returned. Gold basins, 30 of them. Silver basins, 1,000. Silver incense burners, 29. Gold bowls, 30. Silver bowls, 410. Other items, 1,000. In all these were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shesh Bazar brought all these along with the exiles from Babylon to Jerusalem. Here's a list of the Jewish exiles of the providence who returned from their captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar had deported them to Babylon. But now they returned to Jerusalem and the other towns in Judah where, where they originally lived. Their leaders were Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvai, Rehum, and Banah. These are the number of men of Israel who returned from exile. The family of Parosh, 2,172. The family of Shephatiah, 372. The family of Ara, 775. The family of Pahat, Moab, descendants of Jeshua and Joab, 2,812. The family of Elam, 1,254. The family of Zatu, 945. Family of Sakai, 760. The family of Bani, 642. 
the family of Bebai, 623, the family of Esgad, 1222, the family of Adonaikam, 666, the family of Bigvai, 2056, the family of Adin, 454, the family of Eder, descendants of Hezekiah, 98, the family of Bezai, 323, the family of Jorah, 112, the family of Hashum, 223, the family of Gibar, 95, the people of Bethlehem, 123, the people of Netopah, 56, the people of Anathoth, 128, the people of Bes Asmavet, 42, the people of Kiryat Jerim, Kepira, and Beirat, 743, the people of Ramah and Giba, 621, the people of Michmash, 122, the people of Bethel and Ai, 223, the citizens of Nebo, 52, the citizens of Magvish, 156, the cities, citizens of West Elam, 1,254, the citizens of Harim, 320, the citizens of Lod, Hadith, and Ono, 725, the citizens of Jericho, 345, the citizens of Sina, 3,630. These are the priests who returned from exile, the family of Jedediah, through the line of Jeshua, 973, the family of Immer, 1,052. The family of Pashur, 1,247. The family of Harim, 1,017. These are the Levites who returned from exile. The families of Jeshua and Kadmiel, descendants of Hodaviah, 74. The Jeff August. Uh, go ahead. The family... The singers of family of Azeb, 128. The gatekeepers of family of Shalom, Atar, Telma, Akub, Adhaya, and Shobai, 139. The descendants of the following temple servants returned from exile. Siha, Hashupa, Tabat, Kirios, Yaha, Padon, Levana, Hagaba, Akub, Hagab, Shalmai, Hanan, Gidel, Gahar, Reiha, Rezin, Nikoda, Gassam, Uza, Pazia, Bezai, Asna, Minium, Nephusim, Bakbuk, Akupa, Harhur, Baslut, Mehaira, Hasha, Barkos, Sisera, Tema, Nesia, Hatipa. The descendants of the servants of King Solomon returned from exile. Sotai, Hasoferet, Peruda, Jale, Darkan, Gidea, Shabhatai, Hatil, Pokeret, Hesabaim, and Ami. In all, the temple servants and the descendants of Solomon's servants, number 392. Another group returned at this time from the towns of Tel Melah, Tel Hashash, 
Kerub, Adan, and Emer, however, they could not prove they, that they or their families were descendants of Israel. This group included the families of Deliah, Tobiah, Nicodah, a total of 652 people. Three families of priests, Hobiah, Hakas, and Barsilai, also returned. This Barsilai had married a woman who was a descendant of Barsilai of Gilead, and he had taken her family name. They searched for their names in the genealogy records, but they were not found. So they were disqualified from serving as priests. The governor told them not to eat the priest's share of food from the sacrifices until a priest could consult the Lord about the matter by using the Urim and the Tumim, Tumim, the sacred lots. So a total of 42,360 people returned to Judah. In addition to 7,337 servants, and 200 singers, both men and women. They took with them 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. When they arrived at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the family leaders made voluntary offerings towards the rebuilding of God's temple on its original site. And each leader gave as much as he could. The total of the gifts came to 61,000 gold coins, 6,250 pounds of silver, and 100 robes for the priests. So the priests, the Levites, and the singers, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants, and some of the common people settled in villages near Jerusalem. The rest of the people returned to their own towns throughout Israel. Amen. Um, today's study from Ezra. Many Jews chose to go to Jerusalem, but many more chose to remain in Babylon rather than return to their homeland. The journey back to Jerusalem was difficult, dangerous, and expensive, expansive, lasting over four months. Travel conditions were poor. Jerusalem and the surrounding countryside were in ruins, and the people living in the area were hostile. Persian records indicate that many Jews in captivity had homes, businesses, and relatives. Returning to Jerusalem would have meant giving up everything they had and starting over. Many people couldn't bring themselves to do that. They prefer wealth and security to the sacrifice that God works would require. In this way, God gleaned the people who were committed to him. At one time, God's people had been 12 tribes, then it was just two, Benjamin and Judah. Now it was, the only, it was only those whose hearts we're still sensitive to God's stirring. Amen. Okay, you go ahead and read the other one. Or? That's pretty good, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians uh, 1.18-2.5 The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Wow. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw it to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he's used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish it is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it 
is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy. When God called you, when God called you, instead God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Amen. When I, Paul, first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Amen. 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 That's a beautiful. I'm glad I like the way you read it. Today's study, many Jews consider the good news of Jesus Christ to be foolish. Jesus had not restored David's throne the way they expected. They believed the real Messiah would be a conquering king accompanied by signs and miracles. Rather than overthrowing Rome, Jesus was executed as a criminal. How could a criminal be a savior? Greeks, too, considered the good news foolish. They did not believe in a bodily resurrection. They did not see in Jesus the powerful characteristics of the mythical gods. And they believed no reputable person could be crucified to them, death was a defeat, not a victory. Good news of Jesus Christ still sounds foolish to many. Our society values power, influence, and money. Jesus came as a humble, poor servant. Our culture flaunts accomplishment and success. While Jesus was executed as a criminal, a failure. How could a humble, poor failure bring the good news? It does, it does seem foolish. Jesus' good news is for those who have faith. And I add, those, Jesus' good news is for those who are called by my Father in heaven. This faith seems foolish because it grows out of weakness and need. We realize that we can depend on ourselves only in humble recognition of our need for God and trust can begin. Amen. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, this is one scripture that just really popped out at me. It's in uh, 
30, not 30, but yeah, 30. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. But this is the one I really latched onto. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. So that's so cool because Christ made us holy. I don't have to be holier than, you know, I don't get more holy because Christ already made me holy. Amen. And he and already pure. freed me from sin and he made me pure. So, you know, I am there. I am there. I am with him. I am already, you know, that's part of my inheritance. And um, there's the word, this, the word, it's in the word. Amen. The word. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. See over here it says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then back here, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. It's beautifully said. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you worship Jesus, you're worshiping wisdom mm -hmm. itself. And then the fear of the Lord or the reverential respect and worship of the Lord becomes wisdom itself. You know, we get wisdom. And this goes back to Proverbs 3 and 4, right? When it talks about to get wisdom and understanding. Because mm -hmm. this is... This is I think in Galatians somewhere it said that Jesus has made unto us wisdom, redemption, sanctification, and another thing. Um, Jesus, Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our sanctification. Amen. Okay, Psalm 27, verse 7 to 14. Respond to God's invitation by opening your heart to his teaching. Amen. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. O God of my salvation, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I have never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Amen. That's worth repeating. Yet I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Proverbs 20, 22 to 23 says, Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. The Lord detests double standards. He's not pleased by dishonest scales. Amen. When it says, yes, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness. And then while I am here in the land of the living, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. No matter what's going on, yes, wait patiently for, for the, the Lord. Lord. So there is, a, there is a coming, a belief, a strengthening that Jesus gives you the confidence, but we have to be skillful in waiting and receiving Amen. the Lord's coming. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your beautiful word, Lord. We take it. We receive it in Jesus' name, and we believe it. Hallelujah. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for this time we have together. Reading your word, August the 6th. Thank you for bringing us in unity, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for keeping our hearts attuned to your love and your word, Lord. Please give us eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit is telling the churches, Lord. Amen. Grant us new wisdom, Lord, and insight, Lord, Amen. and understanding. Amen. We acknowledge you that all things are possible with my Lord, my Master, with my friend, Amen. Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, Anna, would you please begin our reading? Okay, Ezra chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, 23. In early autumn, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shittil, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the, Lord, of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, as instructed in the law of Moses. The man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at the old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law, sacrificing the number of burnt offerings and specified for each day of the festival. They also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations, the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals as prescribed by the Lord. The people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord 15 days before the festival of shelters began. The priests had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Then the people hired masons and carpenters and bought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon, paying them with food, wine, and olive oil. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Hapa, or to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. The construction of the temple of, the, of God began in mid-spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shittil, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests and all the Levites. The Levites who were 20 years old or older were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Jesha, Jesha, Jeshua with his sons and relatives and Cadmiel and his sons. All the descendants of Hodaviah and all the descendants of Hodaviah. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Henadah. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes 
took their places to blow their trumpets, and the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord. Just as King David had prescribed, with praise and thanks they sang this song to the Lord. He's so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people have a great shout. Uh, then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud voice that could be heard far in the distance. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Esarhaddon of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, You may have no part in this work. We will we alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. <clears throat> then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia took the throne. Years later, when uh, Xerxes began his reign, the enemies of Judah wrote a letter of accusation against the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Even later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, the enemies of Judah, led by Bishlam Mithridath, and Tabil sent a letter to Arsazerbes in the Aramaic language, and it was translated for the king. Rehum, the governor, and Shimshai, the court secretary, wrote the letter telling King Arsazerbes about the situation in Jerusalem. They greeted the king for all their colleagues, the judges, and the local leaders of the people of Tarpei, the Persians and the Babylonians, and the people of Erech, and Susa, that is Elam. They also sent greetings from, or they also greet from the rest of the people whom the great and noble Ashurbanipal had deported and relocated in Samaria and throughout the neighboring lands in the province west of the Euphrates River. This is a copy of their letter. To King Arasuris, from your loyal subjects in the province west of the Euphrates River. The king should know that the Jews who came here to Jerusalem from Babylon are rebuilding this rebellious and evil city. They have already laid the foundation and will soon finish its walls. And the king should know that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, it would be much to your disadvantage for the Jews. Or disadvantage for the Jews will then refuse to pay their tribute, customs, and tolls to you. Since we are your loyal subjects and do not want to see the king dishonored in this way, we have sent the king this information. We suggest that a search 
be made in your ancestors' records, where you will discover what a rebellious city this has been in the past. In fact, it was destroyed because of its long, troublesome history of revolt against the kings and countries who controlled it. We declare to the king that the city is rebuilt and its walls are completed. The province west of the Euphrates River will be lost to you. Then King Artaxerxes sent this reply to Rehem, the governor, Shimshai, the court secretary, and their colleagues living in Samaria and throughout the province west of the Euphrates River. Greetings. The letter you sent has been translated and read to me. I ordered a search of the records and found that Jerusalem has indeed been a hotbed of insurrection against many kings. In fact, rebellion and revolt are normal there. Powerful kings have ruled over Jerusalem and the entire province west of the Euphrates River, receiving tribute, customs, and tolls. Therefore, issue orders to have these men stop at their work. Stop their work. That city must not be rebuilt except at my express command. Be diligent and don't neglect this matter, for we must not permit the situation to harm the king's interests. When this letter from King Ar Artaxerxes was read to Rehum, Shimshai and their colleagues, they hurried to Jerusalem. Then with a show of strength, they forced the Jews to stop building. Whoa. Mm. Okay. Okay, you want to go 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 33 and 4? Is that good? You want me to read? I'll read. Okay. Yet when I, Paul am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world, who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, His plan that was previously hidden, even though He made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it, if they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and shows us good deep secrets, God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has already given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual things. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For... <clears throat> who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? 
But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for any stronger, anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? Yeah. Amen. Oh, you know, just one of the, I like the way he opens up and he says, he doesn't speak with words of wisdom from the world, but the wisdom that belongs to God. And then at this part it says, His plan that was previously hidden, even though He made it for our ultimate glory, before the world began. Okay, so, but it said, This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Amen. It's really interesting. The scripture, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, and no mind has imagined. Mm -hmm. This is before the crucifixion. That what God has prepared for those who love Him. Mm -hmm. You know, we always think it's when we pray, it's, they use it out of context. It's going yeah. to go into the future, you know, that we haven't heard, no mind yeah. has imagined. Right. But, you know, right here it says this was before Jesus that right. God was prophesying. Right, he was having to had just... You can't even fathom what G what he's going to do with and Jesus it, yeah, in our man. lives, right? That's why they didn't know it. Hallelujah. Wow, good point. Yeah. Now I know, you know. Okay, Psalms 28, verses 1 through 9. It says, Give thanks to God for hearing your prayers and bringing justice to his people. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for hearing our prayers and bringing justice to your people. Thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. I pray to you, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out for you for help. As I lift my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, with those who speak friendly words to their neighbors while planning evil in their hearts. Give them the punishment they so richly deserve. Make it out in proportion to their wickedness. Pay them back for all their evil deeds. Give them a taste of what they have done to others. They care nothing for what the Lord has done or for what His hand have made. So He will tear them down and they will never be rebuilt. Praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. The Lord gives his people strength. He is a, he is a safe fortress 
to his anointed king. Save your people. Bless Israel, your special possession. Lead them like a shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Proverbs 20, 24-25. The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? Amen. The Lord is directing our steps, so why try to understand everything that happens along the way? Amen. Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. We, we receive it. We admit to it. We say, yes, yes, yes. We admit to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, and seek your face, Lord. We seek you, Lord, and your word, Lord. Bless us, Lord God, as it is today. Lord, August the 7th, bless your word. Give an ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord. Thank you that we're your children and you love us, Lord, and you said you'll never leave us nor forsake. We're two are gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. There you will be in the midst, Lord, and you give us that promise, Lord. We ask you to be here, be in your word, be in our midst, be alive in our hearts, Lord, and teach us how to pray and be closer to you, Lord. We thank you for this reading in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Uh, go ahead, Anna. Would okay, you like to start? I'm going to start uh, with that. Lord, a little bit. Uh, Ezra. Ezra 424. That's a little too wide. Oh, huge. Okay. Ezra 424 to 622. So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem had stopped, and it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. At that time, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Zerubbabel, son of Shelatil, and Jeshua, son of Jezodak, responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and helped them. Amen. But Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, and Shethar, Bozanai, and their colleagues soon arrived in Jerusalem and asked, Who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore this structure? They also asked for the names of all the men working on the temple, but because their God was watching over them, the leaders of the Jews were not prevented from building until a report was sent to Darius, and he returned his decision. This is the copy of the letter that Tatanai, the governor, Shethar, Bozanai, and the other officials of the province west of the Euphrates River sent to King Darius. To King Darius, greetings. The king should know that we went to the construction site of the temple of the great God in the province of Judah. It is being rebuilt with specially prepared stones and timber is being laid in its walls. 
The work is going forward with great energy and success. We ask the leaders who gave you permission to rebuild this temple and restore this structure. And we demanded their names so that we could tell you who the leaders were. This was their answer. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. And we are rebuilding the temple that was built here many years ago by a great king of Israel. But because our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he abandoned them to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who destroyed this temple and exiled the people to Babylonia. However, King Cyrus of Babylon during the first year of his reign issued a decree that the temple of God should be rebuilt. King Cyrus returned the gold and silver cups that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of Babylon. These cups were taken from the, that temple and presented to a man named Shezbazar, who, whom King Cyrus appointed as governor of Judah. The king instructed him to return the cups to their place in Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple of God there on its original site. So this Sheshbazar Shesh came and laid the foundations of the temple of God in Jerusalem. The people have been working on it ever since though it is not yet completed. Therefore if it pleases the king we request that a search be made in the royal archives of Babylon to discover whether King Cyrus ever issued a decree to rebuild God's temple in Jerusalem. And then let the king send us his decision in this matter. So King Darius issued orders that a search be made in the Babylonian archives, which were stored in the treasury. But if it was at the fortress of Ekbatana, there's no if, but okay. it was. But it was at the fortress at Ekbatana in the province of Media that a scroll was found. This is what it said: Memorandum. In the first year of King Cyrus's reign, a decree was sent out concerning the temple of God at Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt on the site where Jews used to offer their sacrifices, using the original foundations. Its height will be 90 feet and its width will be 90 feet. Every three layers of specially prepared stones will be topped by a layer of timber. All expenses will be paid by the royal treasury. Furthermore, the gold and the silver cups which were taken to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar from the Temple of God in Jerusalem must be returned to Jerusalem and put back where they belong. Let them, so, let them be taken back to the Temple of God. So King Darius sent this message. Now therefore, Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, and Shetar, Bazanai, and your colleagues, colleagues and other officials west of the Euphrates River, stay away from there. Do not disturb the construction of the temple of God. Let it be rebuilt on its original site, and do not hinder the governor of Judah and the elders of the Jews in their work. Moreover, I hereby decree that you are to help these elders of the Jews as they rebuild this temple of God. You must pay the full construction costs without delay from my taxes collected in the province west of the Euphrates River so that the work will not be interrupted. 
Give the priests in Jerusalem whatever is needed in the way of young bulls, rams, and male lambs for the burnt offerings presented to the God of heaven, and without fail provide them with as much wheat, salt, wine, and olive as they need each day. Then they will be able to offer acceptable sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the welfare of the king and his sons. Those who violate this decree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house. Wow. Then, then they will be tied to it and flogged, and their house will be reduced to a pile of rubble. May the God who has chosen the city of Jerusalem as the place to honor his name destroy any king or nation that violates this command and destroys his temple. I, Darius, have issued this decree. Let it be obeyed with all diligence. Tatanai, governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, and the Shetar Banzanai and their colleagues compiled at once with the command of King Darius. So the Jewish elders continued their work, and they were greatly encouraged by the preaching of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Idu. The temple was finally finished as had been commanded by the God of Israel and decreed by Cyrus Darius and Arsazerbes, the king of Persia. The temple was completed on March 12th during the sixth year of King Darius's reign. The temple of God was then dedicated with great joy by the people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the people who had returned from exile. During, during the dedication ceremony for the temple of God, 100 young bulls, 200 rams, and 400 male lambs were sacrificed, and 12 male goats were presented as a sin offering for the 12 tribes of Israel. Then the priests and the Levites were divided into their various divisions to serve at the temple of God in Jerusalem, as prescribed in the book of Moses. On April 21st, the returned exiles celebrated Passover. The priests and Levites had purified themselves and were ceremonially clean. Ceremonially clean. So they slaughtered the Passover lamb for all the returned exiles, for their fellow priests, and for themselves. The Passover meal was eaten by the people of Israel who had returned from exile and by the others in the land who had turned from their immoral customs to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. Then they celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. There was great joy throughout the land because the Lord had caused the king of Assyria to be favorable to them so that he helped them to rebuild the temple of God, the God of Israel. Amen. Amen. What an incredible story. You know, just amazing how, um, you know, these guys were actually, they were born again, if you ask me. They, they, they knew God and, and all of them had a, a relationship starting from the Darius to the uh, other king, the original king that proclaimed, and then the other one backed it up. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how close could they have been or how influenced were they? Could have been that the Jewish people was praying for him, they were praying for the king that they be converted and give favor to the Jewish people, and it did so. Those guys got screwed, huh? The ones that wanted to complain and uh, mm -hmm. and go over there. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it's just like these decrees were were really 
huge back then with the kings give the decrees this is what has got to be done you know just like in the book of Esther when the king issued the decree that all the Jews were going to be killed and that decree was going to stand no matter what so th these decrees are like cast in stone and they can't violate them because what would happen to them it says those who violate this decree in any way will have a beam pulled from their house okay then they'll be tied to it and flogged and their house will be reduced to a pile of rubble <laughs> amen uh, let's yeah. go ahead and read the studies there's two yeah. studies here uh, the, the most asked question why was Israel's second temple so significant the dedication of Israel's second temple on March 12, 515 B.C. was the most significant event in the lives of those who returned from Babylon exile. Now they could worship and praise God in the same manner that their ancestors had worshipped before the exile. Now God's requirement for covenant relationship with Him could be fulfilled. A high priest could go into God's presence once a year on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle the blood of the nation's sins. After 70 years of estrangement from God, the covenant community was now restored again. Wow. The joys event did not come without difficulty. With God's help, the Israelites exiles who returned overcame 16 years of opposition from the people who had inhabited their land and from the Persian officials. Their enemies made every attempt to discourage them, but the Israelites completed rebuilding the temple and reestablished worship through patience, persistence, and strong mm, prophetic beautiful, encouragement. Beautiful. Amen. Yes, Lord. Ezra 5, 1 through 5, and 6, 14. The dedication of the temple demonstrated that God can accomplish His will through a small group of people mm. who set their priorities on pleasing Him mm, and who yeah. trust Him to provide the resources to fulfill His promises. Ezra 6, 8. Haggai 2, 7 and 8. Instead of focusing on what little they had, the people of God trusted in what He could provide. They were dedicated to glorifying God and maintaining their relationship with Him. God proved that He was sovereignly in control of nations and could change the hearts of the leaders of those nations to accomplish His will. Ezra 5.5 5. Amen. Amen. Over here says today's study, Ezra 5.11. Tatanai, the king's appointed governor, confronted the temple builders, demanding to know who gave permission for their construction project, Ezra 5.3. The leaders boldly replied, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. The God of Israel wasn't a run-off-the-mill local deity. He was God over kings and kingdoms. Amen. The book of Ezra carefully shows how God used foreign kings as his instrument for his own purpose. Beautiful. God has stirred the hearts of Cyrus to return God's people to Jerusalem and fund the rebuilding of God's temple, Ezra 1 1 FF. Years later, God's work continued based on the discovery of a lost paragraph in the pagan li library, Ezra 6 12, 6 1 2. God is supreme over all rulers, all historical events, and all hostile forces. Have you ever considered that God has the power to change the attitude of a person or a group of people? God is infinitely powerful. He can stir the hearts of others for His own purpose. We often wonder whether God is at work in the world around us. The book of Ezra and the whole Bible testifies to God's ongoing activity and influence over the world's events. He continues to guide us, guide his course today. Amen, amen. And we 
can certainly pray for people that, that God will stir their hearts, you know, yes. and make favorable to us, you know. We even even uh, you know, pray I, for elements, yeah. the elements, and the and the to be favorable to us. I really like how, like it says, with a small group of people, you got the. If you have the God of heaven and earth on your side, nothing can stop you. Not any any uh, enemy, not any hostile people, um, not a government. You know, no one can stop you. And they had more than all they needed, the resources. But um, that's good. That was really good. Hey Amen. This is the month of September. We're, we're, I mean, in August, we're speaking a lot in tongues to uh, see how, you know, so we're two, we're small gathered people and we're, we're hitting it yeah. to change the world. You know, but you get like a small congregation and you think that you... Because in God's time, he grows and increases everything. But when you start off small with just even five people in your church, God will honor the obedience and what he's directing you to do to lead the church. And he'll bring the people in his time. But it's like much can be done with just a small group. Right? Amen. 1 Corinthians 3, 5, and 23. After all, who is Apollos or who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul, after all? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God workers, God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may have a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value if the work survives the builders will receive a reward but if the work is burned up the builders will suffer great loss the builders will be saved but like someone barely escaping through all the walls of flame through a wall of flames don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of god and that the spirit of god lives in you god will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourself. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scripture says, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. 
So don't boast about following a particular human leader, for everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter, or the world or life and, and death, or the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to you. Powerful, Amen. Powerful what an chapter. incredible. What a powerful. You know, that's the first time I've heard. Well, paid really attention, yeah. close attention mm -hmm. to this, huh? He's yes. really explaining. Yes. You know, what we're building is that barely mm -hmm. going to be saved. The people are barely going to be saved. Like, say, for instance, you're saved, but you're building uh, for the Jehovah Witness or for the, you know. Misleading people. Yeah, you know, you're trying to do good, but, you know, you're taking. I don't know. Let's see what it's, uh, today's study, 1 Corinthians on 3.9 says. Paul uses two images to explain his thinking. Planting and building. Beautiful. Humans have seeds and soil, but God produces the field. Humans offer effort and resources, but God makes them into a temple that endures. What is Paul trying to communicate? Without God, believers cannot become an abundant harvest. Mm, beautiful. Without Christ, God's people will deteriorate and crumble. Whoa. While the Corinthians argue about the seed or, or that stone, they were completely ignoring the God of fields and foundations. They were lacking what they needed most. Are you depending on a pastor, a parent, or a friend to nurture your growth? Mm. Paul says to depend on God first and foremost to provide what you need. Are you working for, for God's church by your own strength? Paul says such a building cannot stand for long. Only as we look to God for what we need and only as we depend on Christ to support us. Only as we look to God for what we need and only as we depend on Christ to support us. Can we do anything that will last? If the work survives, the builders will receive a reward. 1 Corinthians 3.14 In other words, our work will only bring a reward as we depend on God in everything we do. Wow. Amen. You know, I'd like to do something special right now and kind of like read this in the uh, easy-to-read version. Mm -hmm. Just for the fact because I think it's so awesome when it says at the end... The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they're worthless, so don't boast about following a particular human. Mm. Everything belongs to you and belongs to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. But let me go ahead and read it in the... Yeah, you know... Easy I, to read, yes? Yeah, well, just one point on number 10. It says, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Okay, because of God's grace... Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. That is very important, because then it goes on to talk about... Um, Amen. But it says, uh, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials... Gold, silver, jewel, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value, and if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. You'd barely be saved, didn't you? Yeah. 
the builder will be saved, but like someone <laughs> barely escaping through the you wall. Remember, I told you that waves. those near death experiences people mm -hmm. were saying they, they, that the angel, his guy said he was in hell, and an angel came and mm -hmm. he was prompting them to. Don't you remember when you were eight years old and you were at the Bible camp and you said yes? Who did you say yes? Yeah? Who did you call upon? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and the, Jesus, wait a minute, Jesus. And as soon as I said Jesus, the angel grabbed me and pulled me out of hell. That's what it's saying right there. See, the guy got Jesus, but he built on a different foundation, foundation. and it burnt. And he barely got saved. I mm, mean, if he wouldn't barely. have, re have remembered. Yeah. So that was God's e extra mercy going out yeah. to save someone. May I read an easy-to-read version? Yes. Is Apollo so important? Is Paul so important? We are only servants of God who help you believe. Beautiful, huh? Mm -hmm. Each one of us did the work God gave us to do. I planted the seed and Apollo's watered it, but God is the one who made the seed grow. So the one who plants is not important and the one who waters is not important. Only God is important because he is the one who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have the same purpose, and each one will be rewarded for his own work. We are workers together for God, and you are like a farm that belongs to God. If you are a house that belongs to God, like an expert builder, I built the foundations of that house. I used the gift that God gave me to do this. Other people are building on that foundation, but everyone should be careful how they build. The foundation that has already been built is Jesus Christ, and no one can build any other foundation. People can build on that foundation using gold, silver, jewel, wood, grass, or straw, but the work that each person does will be clearly seen because the day will, will make it plain. Because the day will make it plain. That day will appear with fire, and the fire will test everyone's work. If the building they put on the foundation still stands, they will get rewarded. But if their building is burned up, they will suffer loss. They will be saved, but it will be like someone escaping from a fire. You should know that you yourself are God's temple. God's spirit lives in you. If you destroy God's temple, God will destroy you. Because God's temple is holy, you yourself are God's temple. Wow. Don't fool yourself. Without Whoever thinks they are wise in this world should become a fool. That's the only way they can be wise. I say this because the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, and the scripture says he catches those who think they are wise in their own clever traps. The scripture also says the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows that their thoughts are worth nothing. So there is not a person on earth that, that any of you should be boasting about. Everything is yours. Paul, Apollos, Peter, the world, life, death, the present, and the future. All these are yours. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Amen. Um, I remember that. I remember I keep, I was reading that one. I remember what I was looking at. Near-death experience, I think it was the same thing. It talked about this young girl who went out, you know, with a, she was out for four hours or something, and she was shown the people that are in hell. And one of them, she said, was John Paul, Pope John, the last pope. And, you know, the reason that was given was because he had many opportunities to um, 
you know, he was given like a platform. He had much opportunity to talk about the gospel and didn't. You know, the true gospel or something like that. I wow. I can read that. Yeah, but that's exactly what this said. Is right that here. what that, because that, now that's like, whoa, that's, that's like when you're a pastor or a preacher, you're really held to a higher standard, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you realize, this is the Message Bible, 16 says, You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you? No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred and you, remember, are the temple. Don't fool yourself. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being up to date with the times. Be God's fool. <laughs> That's the path to true wisdom. What the world calls smart, God, God calls stupid, <laughs> is written in Scripture. He exposes the chickenery of the chick. The master sees through the smoke screens and the know-it-alls. I don't want to hear any of you bragging about yourself or anyone else. Everything's already yours as a gift. Paul, Paulus, Peter, the world, life, death, the present, the future, all of it is yours. And you are privileged to be in union with Christ who is in union with God. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, would you please uh, let me go ahead and read the Psalms and Proverbs for the day. Sure. Praise God for His stunning greatness and for His reign of peace. Psalms 29, 1 through 11. Praise you, God, for your stunning greatness and for your reign of peace. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for His glory and strength. This is verses 1 through 11. Psalm 29. Honor the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty seas. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young well ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! Glory! In his temple. Now, that's, we are the temple, so inside our own hearts, we can, we can shout glory inside our temples. The Lord rules over the flood waters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs 20, 26 and 27. A wise king scatters the wicked like wheat, then runs his threshing wheel over them. The Lord lights penetrate the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. Man, there's um, speaking in tongues. Amen. Yeah. One thing that was in Corinthians at the beginning, it, it reminded me when Jesus in the book of John, when he was talking about um, the, the one who plants, and then there's a harvester who reaps. And this says, um, 
It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. Right? So kind of Jesus said that in the book of John. But you know, the, <clears throat> he said, it's a given. Wake up. You've got to have a V8. Mm-hmm. Paul, is, Paul is saying, I mean, it's so obvious that we're having miracles here. People have change of heart. Right. That's Jesus. Don't Everyone let it go over your head. You know, you're, you're plainly you can see that you've been changed. You have a, a you're a new spirit. You're a new person. Worship God. Be God's full. <laughs> Enjoy the benefits. And I like it. Very simple. Amen. The the uh, gospel is extremely simple, and this is the way Paul put it. He says, you know, it's, you know, we're we're a holy temple, helping to build the houses of God. With the foundation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because of Jesus, you know, there's someone home with the light of the world is in our hearts. Amen. Why do we do this day and night, early in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, till 8 o'clock? We're hitting it hard. Because why? We We want to get one soul saved. Amen. Amen. One soul. Yeah, because that's what the guy was talking about on TV today, on TVN. He was talking about how... um, how to evangelize and he was asking people how do they do it and he, he, i guess it was these people who like waited till the stoplight stopped and then they ran over there the car and then they gave him a scripture and then you know and so he was just it was very interesting what he was saying is very important that that one say salvation takes place you know that the that the labors are few and the harvest is great so every morning on our iPhone, it's going to go off, and we're going to pray for the for the 150 million laborers that will, you know, for their success will go off today. We, we pray. We'll pray the Jabez prayer for them. Lord, we pray for 100 and 150 million laborers, Lord, that will go out the harvesters and harvest this world, Father. We ask you for souls, Lord. We, Lord, we say that you will bless them indeed and enlarge their opportunities, Lord. That your hand, witness, will be upon them. That you will keep them from evil, that it will not harm them. And God, perform what we request, Lord. Lord. Bless your church, Lord. Bless more than a hundred. Bless the the two billion Christians that are out there, Lord. That they will go out there when we will all evangelize the five billion that are left in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Lord, and for the 22 uh, gang members that were um, arrested last month, Lord, Father, we just pray, Father, that those souls will come, Lord, into the kingdom, Father, that you would send out the right people in the prisons, Lord, or the jails, Father, that are going to minister to their heart directly into the heart with the word of God, Lord, that it's going to cut the bone and the marrow and that the word is going to go forth inside each but all of the 20 uh, males and the two females that were caught lord and we ask you to um you you say that you don't want anyone to perish lord in the word and you say that jesus goes after the one sheep and we just ask you father to surround them with your light lord your presence lord where they're at and let there be ministering taking place by other uh, people that are uh, incarcerated that are going to bring forth the glorious gospel, Lord. Not a 
not the wrong gospel, not the deceptive one, but the one about Jesus and how Jesus' grace saved us, Lord. Father, I pray there would be a change in their destinies, Father, that they would um, come out, Lord, walking into the fullness of the glory, Father, the way you want us, called us to be. You tell us to arise and shine, for the glory is upon us as darkness covers the earth, Lord. Father, save those young men. Save Carlos especially, Lord, the, the father of uh, Jessica's baby, Father. Save for the, for the child. And Lord, we just, we just ask you to surround them with the light of Jesus, Lord. And you're the only one who can save them. Send the Holy Spirit after them, Lord, that they would repent and know the goodness of God is, is good. It's really good, Lord. Thank you. We praise you. Thank Amen. You. Hallelujah. Just, just reflecting this morning on yesterday's word in Ezra 5.11, and I'm going to read the study again because it really did put God in, into his, in perspective when you got a situation and um, how God will move. The God of heaven and earth moves heaven and earth on our behalf, and he'll use anybody to do it. Hey, read, read it again. It says that, Tatanai, the king's appointed governor, confronted the temple builders, demanding to know who gave you permission for their construction project in Ezra 5.3. The leaders boldly replied, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. Beautiful. Hallelujah. That's something to rejoice. Amen. Hallelujah. We are the daughters and the sons of, of the God of heaven and earth. Now, that covers all that real estate, right? Mm. Okay. So the God of Israel wasn't a run-of-the-mill local deity. He was God over kings and kingdoms. And the book of Ezra carefully shows how God used foreign kings as his instruments for his own purposes. God had stirred the heart of Cyrus to return God's people to Jerusalem and fund, and fund the rebuilding of God's temple, Ezra 1-1-FF. Years later, God's work continued based on the discovery of a lost paragraph in a pagan library, Ezra 6, 1-2. God, that's awesome. I, I, didn't, I didn't get that yesterday. It was a lost paragraph in the library. And they went and got out the decree, right? In a pagan library. Yeah. Wow, I missed that. Thank you, God. God is supreme over all rulers, all historical events, and all hostile forces. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Hallelujah. God is supreme. He's not like... Over all rulers of our history. You know, that'll put something on your T. Open your sinuses. Only because we see it. We see it and we read about it, you know. Yeah. You know, when God says, I hold the pillars firm when they shake on the earth, in the basis, you know... you know, why don't we sink? You know, the, the earth's core is about the size, when you bite an apple and you see the little red uh, peel, that's about the size of the dirt as compared to the water and in the insides mm. of the earth. Wow. Well, you know, Ooh. we're on a very, very yeah. thin crust. Mm. And, you know, people just think, take it for granted. And God says, I hold the pillars. When the earthquake happens, I hold He's the pillars the one, huh? in his son. Where? Wow. Mm. So, you know, we're so well taken care of, you know, and God, it's awesome to, to be at this stage where we, we keep well, we, getting revelation. Well, we can appreciate the, the, ma- the magnitude of God and how huge he is, right? I mean, I think that in our little world down here, we tend to kind of close things out as people and see things narrowly and not from the godly <sighs> perspective 
of what God what God can do. You know, it just said here that He's supreme being over kingdoms and all the earth and heaven and earth. That's everything. That there's no little crevice over there or little speck over there that is uh, that is uncovered that is not covered by God. Amen. So it's That's like right. you want to talk about real estate. God owns all the real estate. You just go to Him to get what you need. Have you ever considered that God has the power to change the attitude of a person or a group of people? God is infinitely powerful. He can stir the hearts of others for His own purposes. We often wonder whether God is at work in this world around us. The book of Ezra and the world and the whole Bible testifies to God's ongoing activity and influence over the world events. He continues to guide its course today. Amen. Over here in another, uh, it says right here, this joyous event of building the temple was a significant, the Israel's second temple on March 12, 515 B.C. was the most significant event in the lives of those who returned to Babylon from Babylon exile. Now they could worship and praise God in the same way their ancestors had worshipped before the exile. Now God's requirements of covenant relationship with Him could be fulfilled. You know, even though they were gone for 70 years, they were under His mercy and His care and His love. And the prophets were speaking and He was encouraging them while they were there in 70 years, they had Daniel, and they had all kinds of signs and wonders, too, mm -hmm. when they were away. Mm -hmm. Even though they were doing the sacrifices and all that, God was still with them. Notice? Because they were in Babylon. So they came and they rebuilt the temple. Now they're going to start over the requirements. The high priest could go into the God's presence now, once a year, on the Day of Atonement, to sprinkle the blood in the nation's sins, for the nation's sins. After 70 years of estrangement from God, then they the covenant community was now restored. This joyous event did not come without difficulty. With God's help, the Israelites' exiles who returned overcame 16 years of opposition from the people who had inhabited their land and from Persian officials. Their enemies made every attempt to discourage them, and the Israelites completed rebuilding the temple and reestablishing worship through patience, persistence, and strong prophetic encouragement. Mm -hmm. The dedication of the temple demonstrates that God can accomplish His will through a small group of people who set their priorities on pleasing Him mm -hmm. and who trust Him to provide the resources to fulfill His promises. Amen. Haggai 2, 7, 8. Instead of focusing on what the little they had, the people of God trusted in what He could provide. They were dedicated... They were dedicated to glorifying God and maintaining their relationship with Him. God proved that He was sovereignly in control of nations and could, strain, and could change the heart of the leaders of those nations to accomplish His will. Amen. Amen. August 8th. Father in heaven, we thank you for the reading of your word. Today, Ezra 7. Chapter 7 to chapter 8, verse 20. We thank you, Lord God, that we have you as our controller and overseer of all things, Lord. Amen. Okay, uh, Ezra 7, 1, verses 8 to 8:20. And many years later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra, 
Oh, God bless Ezra. He was the son of Sariah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom, son of Zadok, son of Ahitub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Marioth, son of Zeriah, son of Uzi, son of Buki, <laughs> son of Abishua, son of Phinus, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the high priest. Wow, wow a lot of, a lot, a lot there. Ezra's the son. Yeah. This Ezra was a scribe who was well versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for because the gracious hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. Beautiful Lord. Some of the people of Israel, as well as some of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, traveled up to Jerusalem with him in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year, and he had arranged to leave Babylon on April 8th, the first day of the new year, and he arrived at Jerusalem on August 4th, for the gracious hand of God was on him. This was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord, and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people. King Artaxerxes had given a copy of the following letter to Ezra, the priest and scribe, who studied and taught the commands and decrees of the Lord to Israel. From Artaxerxes, the king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law of the God of heaven, greetings. I decree that any of the people of Israel and my kingdom, including the priests and Levites, may volunteer to return to, to, return to Jerusalem with you. I, I and my council of seven hereby instruct you to conduct an inquiry into the situation in Judah and Jerusalem based on your God's law, which is in your hand. We also commission you to take or to take with you silver and gold for which we are freely presenting as an offering to the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. Furthermore, you are to take any silver and gold that you may obtain from the province of Babylon as well as the voluntary offerings of the people and the priests that are presented for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. Okay. Um... These donations are to be used specifically for the purchase of bulls, rams, male lambs, and the appropriate grain offerings and liquid offerings, all of which may be offered on the altar of the temple of your God in Jerusalem. Any silver and gold that is left over may be used in whatever you and your colleagues feel is the will of your God. But as for the cups, we're entrusting you for the service of the temple of your God, Deliver them all to the God of Jerusalem. If you need anything else for your God's temple or any similar needs, you may take it from the royal treasury. I, Artaxerxes the king, hereby send this decree to all the treasures in the province west of the Euphrates River. 
you are to give Ezra the priest and teacher of the law of God of heaven whatever he requests of you. You are to give him up to 7,500 pounds of silver and 500 bushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine, 550 gallons of olive oil, and an unlimited supply of salt. Be careful to provide whatever the God of heaven demands for his temple. For why should we risk bringing God's anger against realm, the realm of the king and his sons? I also decree that no priest, Levite, singer, gatekeeper, temple servant, or other worker in this temple of God will be required to pay tribute, customs, or toils of any kind. No priest. Okay, awesome. And you, Ezra, are to use the wisdom your God has given you to appoint magistrates and judges who you know God's laws, who know your God laws to govern all the people in the province west of the Euphrates River. Teach the law to anyone who does not know it. Anyone who refuses to obey the law of your God and the law of the king will be punished immediately, either by death, banishment, confiscation of goods, or imprisonment. Praise the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who made the king want to beautify the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. Hmm. And praise him for demonstrating such unfailing love to me by honoring me before the king, his council, and almighty nobles. All his. All his and all his almighty, uh, mighty nobles. I felt encouraged because the gracious hand of the Lord my God was on me and I gathered some of the leaders of Israel to return with me to Jerusalem here's a list of the family leaders and the genealogies of those who came with me from Babylon during the reign of King Artaxerxes from the family of Phinehas Gershom from the family of Ithamar Daniel from the family of David Hattush a descendant of Shekaniah from the family of Parosh Zechariah and 150 men were registered from the family of Pahathath Moab, Elihonai, son of Zeriah, and 200 men, 200 other men. From the family of Zatu, Shekaniah, son of Jazeel, and 300 other men. From the family of Adin, Ebed, son of Jonathan, and 50 other men. From the family of Elam, Jeshiah, son of Athaliah, Athaliah and 70 other men. From the family of Shepatiah, Zebediah, son of Michael, and 80 other men. From the family of Joab, Obadiah, son of Jehiel, and 218 men, other men. From the family of Benai, Shilometh, son of jo Josipiah, and 160 other men. From the family of Bebai, Zechariah, son of Bebai, and 28 other men. From the family of Asgad, Johan, Johanan, son of Hakatan, and 110 other men. <clears throat> From the family of Adonikem, who came later, Eliphalat, Jehul, Shemaiah, and 60 other men. From the family of Big Bai, Utai, Zakur, and 70 other men. I assembled the exiles at the Ahava Canal, and we camped there for three days. 
while I went over the list of the people and the priests who had arrived. I found that not one Levite had volunteered to come along. So I sent for Eleazar, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jarib, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, who were leaders of the people. I also sent for Joyerib, or Hoyer, Joyerib, and Elnathan, who were men of discernment. I sent them Edo, the leader of the Levites, to Cassipia, to ask him and his relatives and the temple servants to send us ministers for the temple of God at Jerusalem. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah, along with 18 of his sons and brothers. He was a very astute man and a descendant of Ma, Ma, Mali, who was also a descendant of Levi, the son of Israel. They also sent Hashabiah together with Jeshiah from the descendants of Mary and 20 of his sons and brothers and 220 temple servants. The temple servants were assistants to the Levites, a group of temple workers first instituted by King David and his officials. They were all listed by name. Wow. Amen. Let me uh, read the study here, give you a chance to gather your thoughts. Okay. Ezra, today's study says, Ezra had honored God throughout his life, and God chose to honor him. Ezra praised God for all that God had done for him and through him. He acknowledged that God made the king want to beautify the temple. Ezra could have assumed that his own charisma had won over the king and his princess, but he gave the credit to God. We too should be grateful to God for whatever blessings come to us and not think that we did it in our own power. To ignore God's role is to disregard one of Scripture's big ideas. That God is involved in our world and in our lives. God is not absent. Honor Him for His role in your life. And remember to praise Him for His help and protection. protection. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise You for Your help. We praise You for Your protection. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just remember to praise You and thank You for Your role in our lives, Lord. In our health and our finances, Lord God, and what we say, what Amen. we do. Thank you for your involvement, Lord, and we acknowledge Amen. you, Lord yes. God, that you love us and you're supremely careful with us, Lord, and we thank you for caring for us, Lord. We certainly are fragile, Lord. We thank you that we have nothing without you, Lord. We can't do a single thing without you, Jesus. We just can't do it, Lord. All we are is we get into your word and we just let it go to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get lost a little bit on who was talking about? Um, no. Um, the number one thing throughout this, what we just read, um, you know, it, it, I like how it described Ezra. It says, Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed in the law of Moses. He knew the word of God, right? Amen. And um, it says here, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for. Why? 
because the gracious hand of the Lord was on him. Now, I, I underlined all the times I saw that. It was one, two. And Ezra, when he when he would praise the Lord, he said, Amen. You know, the gracious God, hand yeah, of the Lord. It must be like, about five times that of I... His God uh, yes, was on him. Yes. Uh -huh. His God, mm -hmm. his personal God. Right. So, um... Amen. And <clears throat> maybe I say personal is because he's the one who spends the hours tapping into the presence yeah. of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And it was and it was well obvious that that was on him, right? So, um, and he, and he was to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. And then how the king backed him up so beautifully, you know. Here's here's what you need to give him, because um, you know, uh, he's a priest and teacher of the law of the God of heaven. Whatever he requests of you give it to him. You know, they listed out all the things that, that he, they should give him. Um, and that they shouldn't have to, uh, it says, I decree that no priest, Levite, singer, gatekeeper, temple servant, or other worker in this temple of God will be required to pay tribute, customs, or toils of any kind. Uh, amen. Now, what kind of God is that? A God who supplies all that you need when you're doing his work, when you're when you know his word and you honor God. Amen. Amen. Um, but that to if me, you need anything else for God's temple or mm -hmm. any similar needs, you may take it from the royal treasury. Hey, yeah, oh, I saw that too. Woo, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. this is like a, a prosperity chapter, I think. Um, <clears throat> and the people are to put all, all the surrounding areas are to give to Ezra, the priest, mm -hmm. 7,500 pounds of silver, 500 bushels of wheat, 550 gallons of wine. 550 gallons of olive oil and an unlimited supply of salt. Hallelujah. Amen. Be careful to go over and above so we won't get bring God's anger against this, against the king and his sons. <clears throat> See how close he was to God? Mm -hmm. That he had to go over and above to get what God had impressed in his heart? Mm -hmm. You know, in the king and the God's people? Woo! Man, mm -hmm. it was a fear going in there, you know, that God was God, and he showed himself. <clears throat> Are to use the wisdom your God has given you to appoint magistrates and judges who know your God. One of the questions I had, it looks like they had uh, different envoys coming from um, over there, from Babylon. You know, they had one that came, because there were 16 years building the temple, so they had, and then after a while, <clears throat> they had other envoys coming in of more reinforcements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They started sending more quality people, more qualified individuals to do the work and to help out with the work of the Lord. But it, it, it and number 15, it says, I assembled the exiles at the Ava Canal, and we camped there for three days while I went over the list of the people and the priests who had arrived. I found that not one Levite had volunteered to come along. So then that's when they got the other other people. Mm. <laughs> I also sent for Joey Oreb and <clears throat> Elnathan, who were men of discernment. And I like, this is, okay, closes with this. Since the gracious hand of our God was on us, they sent us a man named Sherebiah along with 18 of his sons and brothers, and he was a very astute man and a descendant of the descendant of Mali, who was a descendant of Levi's son of Israel. 
So it's like this whole thing that there, he's been entrusted to do because he he's knows God's word and he's a man of honor. You know, God supplies the right people also in your ministry. Amen. Someone who can discern and someone who's astute and all the supply that you need to get the job done. How does that make you feel? Amen. First Corinthians. Amen. I'm, I'm, I, that's where we're at. That's Amen. We're at. Thank you, Lord, for supplying all that we yeah. need. Because thank you, Lord, your gracious having... hand, Lord, is upon us. Yes, Lord. And yes. thank you, Father God, for providing, Lord God, hallelujah, all that we need, Lord Amen. God. And it's going to be all right because of your protection and Amen. your gracious hand is Amen. upon us, Lord Yes, God. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We rejoice in it, Lord, and we're thankful, Lord God, that we are in your kingdom, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you... You allowed us. Thank you that Jesus is our friend, and he's, he's happy to be our friend, and we are his friend. Thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So look at Apollos, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 through 21. Okay, let me read the study first. Okay. Study. The Corinthians had split into various cliques, each following its favorable preacher. Paul, Paulus, Peter, each clique really believed it was the only one to have the whole truth and thus felt spiritually proud. Mm. Paul encourages the Corinthians to pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures. Looking back at those Old Testament passages, each had to do with knowledge, some sort of man-made ideas. In each case, men start out believing that they know it know is what is important they know is what is important paul quotes these scripture which point out the futility of starting there later paul offers the corinthians an alternative while knowledge makes us feel important it it is love that strengthens the church first corinthians 8 1. for paul love isn't simply better than knowledge it's a way of life that is best for all first corinthians 12 31. In fact, Paul says love should be your highest goal. In one of the most famous passages, Paul writes, If I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possess all knowledge, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.2 Which is more important to you, having knowledge, what is more important, or having love? Oh, wow. First a... Corinthians chapter 2, 1-21 so look at Apollos and me, Paul, as mere servants of Christ, who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Explaining. Now a person who is put, is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring out darkness, darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders in the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? 
And if everything you have is from God, why boast if though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need? You think you're already rich? You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us as apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victory's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honor, but we are ridicule. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless, bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again. But I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. The kingdom of God is not just mm, a lot of talk. Yeah. It is living by God's power. power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love? And a gentle spirit. Amen. <laughs> awesome. You know, that's a contamination of everybody mm -hmm. that uh, becomes a Christian is they get they get their eyes because they get so blessed. I don't know. For, you know, and then they said knowledge pops up. And we, uh, I remember being in the church and thinking we have the the truth, you know, and everybody else doesn't. And um, you know, and I started realizing that the there's God's people all over the place, very loving. And the reason so many churches have different names is, is so you can identify where they're at, you know. The Lutheran church, the Presbyterian church, you know. They're all... Yeah. Amen. So we're in love. God is in charge. You know, I just was wondering where he says here, um, I, think, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display... Like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die, we have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people, it says, and angels alike. And angels alike. Just wondering what that means. Well, it does say that, um, Scripture does say that, Paul, that, you know, well, you know, Hebrews 12.1 says that we have people looking at us from heaven mm -hmm. oh, and are encouraging mm -hmm. us to go. Mm -hmm. 
We also have uh, there. You know, well, we're made a little lower than the angels, right? So, mm -hmm. but why why is that such a spectacle? To, well, well yeah. to the world, why I understand, and to people, but to the angels, they know that there's work being done. You know what I mean? That you're. Well, you know, probably the angels are. I don't know. It's uh, well, the angels see everything, and they they they're probably the angels are baffled why they. I don't know. Good point. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, every Christian too is a skeptical spectacle uh -huh. to the world. You That's know, right. we're That's a spectacle. Right. The neighbors look at us. We're yeah. praising God, enjoying. Yeah. We wave at them. Wave at the people that don't wave back, and always full of joy. You know, we're kind of spectacles because we we have to keep going in what we're doing, right? Because God urges us. You know, we feel the love of God constrain us. Because we know that there's going to be a soul out there. We mm, have to stay amen. in the cutting edge, you know, amen. that that we will triumph and, and God victor, God's church triumphant. God's goal to send out workers into the harvest is being accomplished. We are workers, you know, and the, the beauty of the Jabez prayer is that this work we're doing now is that when we're out in the gas station, the grocery store, anywhere we're at, we run into people, uh -huh. we're able to drop a seed. We either, we're either uh, planting or harvesting. Planting yeah. or harvesting for the glory of God. Yeah. You know, it, it's beautiful how he puts it. He said um, at the end here, it said, um, okay, in 20, um, okay, if the Lord lets me, then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches, okay, or whether they really have God's power. Mm. And for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. So, I think that's that's beautiful. That's I want that. I want more. God's power mm -hmm. is, is signs and wonders. Yes, operating know. signs and wonders, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and and, and, and then. And that's the only reason they gave mm -hmm. Paul the um, all the uh, attention because he mm -hmm. was, you know, he healed people. Mm -hmm. What's recorded? Imagine how much stuff was not recorded. Yeah. Uh -huh. Then night after night after night. But living by God's power, when you lay hands on somebody, they recover. You can cast out the the <coughs> enemy out of them. You know, you're, you're walking in words of um, knowledge. It's easy to see that the, the people, once they get saved and they got it, and then you got a good charismatic speaker, you know, they start mm -hmm. thinking about and talking about other things. Mm -hmm. They go into other areas of uh, proudness. And yeah, but, it, but it, he talks about how knowledge is just over here. Um, like where he says, dear brothers, I have used, excuse me for jumping in, you know, right. knowledge where it says knowledge pops up, or knowledge makes you proud. Yeah, that's where I was wanting to, to go. Where is that? I don't know. Uh, but right here it says, uh, for what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Mm -hmm. And er if everything you have is from God... Mm -hmm. Why boast as though if we're not a gift? That's like proudness, you know. We, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, everything we have comes from God. Everything yeah. we do comes from God. 
everything we say should come from God. You think you already have everything you need. You, you think you're already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. You know, that's real true. I mean, <clears throat> I remember I used to be like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was working, or I did this, I did that, I bought the car, I did, you know, all these things that God was, was showering me with this blessing. And I, I should have been saying, the Lord has provided this for me. The Lord has uh, graced me with this. The Lord has, you know, blessed me. He's always taking care of me. You know, I, I, if I could go back, I wish I could have been saying that. <laughs> but Lord, forgive me and thank, thank you for bringing it to my attention. It's not too late. Okay, amen. Oh, Psalms. Okay, uh, let me go read that that one passage is in the easy to read version since okay. we're already here. First Corinthians, what is that? Uh, like First Corinthians, starting at four six. Let's see what um, it says right here. Um, Brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself as examples for you. I did this so that you could learn from us the meaning of the words, follow what the scripture says. Then you will not brag about one person and criticize another. I didn't see that. Follow what the scripture says. Where? It says it's in uh, 6, verse 6. Dear brothers and sisters, I have you, what I've been saying, if you pay attention yeah. to what I have quoted from the oh, scriptures. You won't be proud. So from us, the meaning of the words, follow what the scripture says. Then you will not brag about one person in Christ. So that's your basis, what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are? Everything you, you have was given to you. So everything you have was given to you. Why do you act as you have got it by your own power? That's the problem there. We all act that we have gotten right. everything from our own oh, power. Yeah. You think you have everything you need? You think you are rich? You think you become kings without us? I wish you really were kings. See, they already put themselves in a position. Then we could rule together with you. But it seems to me that God has given me and the other apostles the last place. We are like prisoners condemned to die, led in a parade for the whole world to see, not just people, but angels too. We are fools for Christ, but you think you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you think you are so strong. People give you honor, but they don't honor us. Even now, we still don't have enough to eat or drink, and we don't have enough clothes. We often get beaten. We have no homes. We work hard with our own hands to feed ourselves. When people insult us, we ask God to bless them. When people treat us badly, we accept it. When people say bad things about us, we try to say something that will help them. But people still treat us like the world's garbage. Wow. Everyone's trash. I'm not trying to make you feel ashamed, but I'm writing this to counsel you on my own dear children. As my own children, you may have 10,000 teachers in Christ, but you don't have many mm, fathers. Beautiful. Through the good news, I became your father in Christ Jesus. So I beg you to be like me. That is why I'm sending you Timothy... To you, he's my son in the Lord. I love him and trust him. He will help you remember the way I live in Christ Jesus, a way of life that I teach in every meeting of the church wherever I am. 
Some of you are acting so proud, it seems as though you think I won't be coming there again. But I will come to you very soon, the Lord willing. Then I will see if these proud talkers have the power to do anything more than talk. <laughs> God's kingdom is not seen in talk, but in power. Which do you want? That I come to you with punishment or that I come to you with love and gentleness? Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and read uh, Psalms and Proverbs, please. Okay. Um. God, give praise for the life you have. Give God praise for the life you have and for his mercy and faithfulness. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for this life. We thank you for your constant mercy, Lord, when we were not with you. And thank you for your faithfulness for bringing us back, Lord. And now we can give you worship and praise and honor the way you are looking for in spirit and in truth, Lord. And we praise you and we thank you for these things. Amen. Psalm 30, 1 through 12. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescue me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord my God, I cry to you for help, and you restored my health. Amen. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. When I was prosperous, I said, Nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. I cried out to, to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I may sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Amen. Amen. I like where it says, O Lord my God, I cry to you for help, and you restored my health. Yes. Brought me out of the grave, O Lord, and kept me from falling into the pit of death. De you know, for our salvation. He rescued us Amen. over our enemies in triumph. They were the Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name. For His anger lasts only a moment, but His, his favor lasts a lifetime. Amen. That's awesome. Weeping may last through the night, but joy Worship comes in the, the morning. morning. Amen. Look at this. When I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Prosperous and pride. You, your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. What happened? Amen. You stopped being humble, and, and you stopped. I cried out to you again, O Lord, and I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will you gain if I die, if I sink in the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can I tell if you're faithful ones? And to tell your faithfulness, hear me, O Lord, and have mercy on me, and help me, O Lord. And then you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. Wow. That I may sing praises to you and not be silent. 
Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks for it. And amazing that we all, as soon as we lose a lot of people in the church when they become prosperous, in AA when they become prosperous, you know, and... and prosper- I'm sure there's people who aren't in AA and not in the church that are prosperous, and they just keep, you know... It's when the turmoil comes that they turn to God. You know, He can help turn their mourning into a And I'm sure He doesn't want to do it. You yeah. know, He wants us to be down there and be involved with the common people and their mm-hmm. and their and be helpful. And to praise Him for the fact <laughs> that He, it like the Word said, it's God's favor, His power that gives you wealth, and He reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. You know. Proverbs twenty twenty eight to thirty says, "Unfailing love and faithful." Faithfulness protects the king. His throne is made secure through love. Now, here we go again. Here's a guy that can be uh, very proud. And we saw the evil kings get extremely proud. And they only reigned two years. They only reigned six months. Mm -hmm, Because they were evil in the sight of God. Unfailing love, okay, and faithfulness protect the king. How do we get protected? Through God's unfailing love and faithfulness. faithfulness. You know, we're faithful to praising and worshiping. We're faithful to um, reading His Word, which gives us love. His throne is made secure through love. There it is, through love. There's the king. The glory of the young is their strength. Okay, The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Amen. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. There it is again. Such discipline purifies the heart. So the discipline purifies the heart. We can add discipline. This is what we're doing through the Word of God. We're disciplining ourselves, purifying our hearts through the Word of God. Washing the water of the Word. Instead of, you know, going out there and and doing things without the Word of God. Amen. 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 Blessed be the reading of the Word. In Jesus' name. I lift my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor rest. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who died in the Lord. From now on, blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that you may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. that their hearts may be encouraged, be knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. 
For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Be not anxious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So then... There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Likewise, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Come away by yourself and rest a while O my soul to you to your rest for the Lord has dealt bountifully with me we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this you have heard before in the word of the truth the gospel I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, 
He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. By wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with a precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. He will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies on the gates. sleeps, he sleeps and rises night and day. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. For the Lord gives his beloved sleep. I lay down and slept, I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. He will not let your foot be moved. He will keep, you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the follower and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sweet is the sleep of the laborer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. down and slept under a broom tree and beheld an angel touched him and said to him arise and eat therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its trouble let not your hearts be troubled Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. In a dream... In a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, while they slumber on their beds. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. I awoke and looked, and my sleep was pleasant to me. Casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you.
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You will lie down, and none will make you afraid. Many will court your favor. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. I cried out loud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Salam. I lay down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustains me. But God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants after them. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who built labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go to late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread or disaster. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, 
God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Sleep and take your rest later on, says the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. To set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not none of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, to renew your youth like the eagle. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For the Lord grants sleep to those he loves. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you, Lord, make me dwell in safety. The Spirit of God gives us power, love, and self-discipline. For he will not let your foot slip, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lamb leap like a deer and the mute tongue shall shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the follower's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings 
you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. So he lies down and does not rise. Till the heavens are no more, people will not awake or be roused from their sleep. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds. Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus was sleeping. When I am afraid, I will pers- I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord himself is the rock eternal. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and save those who are crushed in spirit. Do not be anxious about anything in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord gives strength to His people, and blessed is people with peace. I will put my trust in you. The Lord gives strength to his people, 
The Lord blesses his people with peace. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Be still and know that I am God. The Almighty is with us. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Think about these things, and the God of peace will be with you. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. For he gives his beloved sleep. But he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I lift my eyes up to the Lord and the hills. Where does the help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who maker of the heavens and the earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber indeed. He who watches over Israel neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Know that he is with us very close right here. He will never leave us or fail us. Our God never sleeps or slumbers. He holds all things in his hands, even so, so we can rest and get some sleep. Peace, peace unto you, peace unto you. All things are done according to God's plan and decision. And God chose us to be with his own people in union with Christ because of his own purpose, based on what he decided from the very beginning. Let us then, who were the first to hope in Christ, praise God's glory. And you also became God's people when you heard the true message. The good news that brought you salvation. You believed in Christ, and God put his stamp of ownership on you by giving you the Holy Spirit. He had promised. The Spirit is the guarantee that we shall receive what God has promised his people, and this assures us that God will give complete freedom to those who are his. Let us praise his glory. Praise the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for God to you. I remember you in my prayers and ask the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, to give you the Spirit who will make you wise 
and reveal God to you so that you will know Him. I ask that your minds may be open to see His light so that you will know what is the hope to which He has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings He promised His people. And how very great is His power at work in us who believe. This power working in us is the same as the mighty strength which He used when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right side in the heavenly world. Christ rules there above all heavenly rulers, authorities, powers, and lords. He has a title superior to all titles of authority in the world and in the next. God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him to the church as supreme Lord over all things. The church is Christ's body. The completion of him who himself completes all things everywhere. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to you, Father. Glory to you, Holy Spirit. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Sleep well. Welcome to today's podcast. We're going to see a clip of uh, Kenny Copeland talk about how he started his ministry through prayer. Kind of reminds me when, uh, you know, prayer is a mystery to me. Every once in a while, I'll hit a really good prayer, but really there's some science to it. Praying and believing God and speaking in tongues. There was a meeting I started up Northern California called fully clothed and in my right mind, 12-step alcoholic anonymous meeting, and walked into the center, put some money down, and rented the rooms. And even though I was on vacation in that particular area, in this club, I asked for the room at 9 a.m. in the morning. They weren't being used. They were all in the afternoon, the meetings. And I thought, what a waste of room space. And everybody's used to going to school at 9 a.m. Today, the place is booming, and the prayer that I used was, I just clapped my hands when it was empty, and I say, let there be prosperity from the east, the west, the north, and the south. Let God's will be done in Jesus' name, and I just kept stomping the floors and praying. Uh, 
And today, there's standing room. I, I get reports from guys that call me. They tell me, hey, there's only standing room right now. So prayer has a significant um, power to it. And I believe I don't practice it enough. And I always have to be reminded of the benefits it has. So here you go. We're going to listen to Kenny Copeland and how he started, how he got 1,500 acres to start his uh, his ministry. Just amazing. Every believer has a voice, and it's the voice of victory. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we ask for your will. Open our eyes and our hearts and minds on the value of prayer. Teach us how to pray, Lord God, and seek your face in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Be unto us a father as we are your obedient children. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome everybody to the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. Here we are Friday. Let me remind you now, get the, get the study notes all last week, all this week. And um, so you can study them, look up all of the same scriptures, and then you look up other things that have to do with prayer and study those, teach from them, and, and bring the family in and, and learn these things together. So I want to remind you again, Oral Roberts said this, and the, the first the first structure at Oral Roberts University was the prayer tower, the first one. And so the first person that this ministry, the first person we hired was Billy Adams and her husband, Dane Adams. And Dane was on the board. Dane Adams was the one that called me and said, Kenneth, there's a piece of property out northwest of town. I need you to see. I think you ought to see well, I had flown in late one evening, landing at Nation Field, and I heard the voice of God audibly coming to you from the revival capital of the world. Well, I, you know, I went through all that. But anyway, and stepped out here in, on this property and just a barbed wire fence around there, and I, I pulled it up, and Gloria crawled through the fence, and then Dane and I stepped out on this. And I heard it, this is the revival capital of the world, and you're going to build it. I thought, what in the world with <laughs> And supernaturally, the Lord put it into our hands, um, you know, this, uh, this whole 1,500 acres of property. And a lot of things have happened over the years, and now this ministry is preaching all over the world. But I wanted you to see this. We hired Billy as our first employee. And her job was to pray all day. And she said, it was a little, it was a struggle at first. Because we didn't, we really didn't have any prayer requests coming in much. She just spent most of her times in tongues and she just prayed all day, every day. And she said, finally, it got easy and that's all I wanted to do was just pray all day. And she did. Well, the first structure that we built because of what my father in the faith said and did at Oral Roberts University and when I was 30 years old which was the first year of ORU that prayer tower magnificent structure 
inside of it. It's just yeah, gorgeous with an eternal flame right out the top of that flame representing prayer going to God. Hallelujah. Just magnificent. So we built a prayer chapel. The very first thing, first little structure. And then we had uh, our minister's conference in there. And then we started having church in there. And Keith Moore preached in that little chapel that you could cram 500 people in there and just push them in there, you know. Anyway, but that's where we started this ministry in prayer. Because prayer is the backbone of Christian endeavor. Now, we have certain weapons in prayer. The name of Jesus, we've already talked about that. He said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. And if whatever you demand in my name, I'll see to it or I'll back it. And then you're going to find it in the third chapter of the book of Hebrews. He is the apostle and high priest of our prayer. Glory to God. Amen. So now, let's look in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. The gospel according to Paul. <laughs> this book of Romans. Whew. Now listen to this. In the 14th verse, no, let's start at the first. There, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, after the Word. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there's a law. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. I have preached that in prisons to prisoners and just see the light come now. Now, your um, past doesn't mean a thing. It's dead and gone. Fix it. Repent. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. And it's over. There's now. Every time you say it, it's now. That the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, come on over here. And we'll start reading the um, 15th verse. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You hear that? We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is literally Daddy in the Greek. My granddaughter Jenny founded an orphanage in Thessaloniki. We call it Thessalonica. And she named it Abba House. Well, they knew exactly what the name of it is. And she, oh, they, they, they found children out in the, out in the dumps and there's no love at all and bring those little guys in there and teach them the love of Jesus and there's been more than one that the people have said you've saved the life of these children well she married a fine young Greek man and I, I married them and she said she was always going to get 
married at our prayer cabin. There's a little cutout there. We don't really know. It's square. We don't know what was there before. But it's a little square place. And she said, I'm going to get married right there, and my papa's going to do the wedding. But she lives in Greece. <laughs> but she came home. Amen. And it was, it was very, a little cool out there, but we did it anyway. And it just turned off gorgeous right in the evening time. It was so pretty. So I, I wadded up some money and put it in my, in my pocket. And uh, these, two, these two kids. And so uh, I walked up there, and he's tall and straight. His name is Elias. Yes, he's in the Bible. Glory to God. And so, and I handed them, I just put that money in, in their hand. I stuck real little stuff. She said, oh, Papa, thank you. And she turned around and handed it to Elias and said, pray. So he began to pray in English, but then he said, uh, may I pray in Greek? And he prayed in Greek, and I thought, glory to God, I've been praying for in the mother tongue. <laughs> it's the first time I ever heard it with my ears. And now, they have a little boy. I have, Glory and I have a great-grandchild that's a Thessalonian. <laughs> yes, we do. Hallelujah. Yeah, glory to God anyway. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We're about to turn. There's a reason I said that. Praise God. It's chapter 8. We've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and the children then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be, we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Now, let's go over there to 1 Thessalonians. And we'll turn to the 5th chapter. Now, this is also on your partner letter. <coughs> Read the whole 5th chapter. But today, we'll go on down and uh, we come down here to the 13th verse, or 12th verse. We beseech you, brethren, to know them that labor among you, who are over you in the Lord, and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, listen now, we exhort you, brethren, warn them, warn them, just warn them, that are unruly or disorderly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men, rejoice evermore. So start rejoicing. Oh, Brother Coburn, I don't feel like it. He didn't say when you feel like it, rejoice evermore. He wrote that he was in a mess when he wrote this, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. There it is. How can I do that? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. 
pray at lunch. I mean, well, bless his food. No, that isn't it. <laughs> Every meal, we pray for our partners. And then we, we do what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, that there's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified of in the we do that? Amen. We pray over our meal and we're very, very grateful to you for this food. We thank you and we praise you and we pray for our partners and their, their welfare right now and particularly in this time of inflation to provide everything and more that they need. And we thank you for all of our partners all over the world and especially our partners in Ukraine. Glory to God. And our latest report, thank you, Jesus, Volodya, and his wife and his family are still there in Lviv. Our office is in Lviv. Our churches are in Lviv. Glory to God. And they're well. And our partners that have escaped to Poland have still been sending money back over to Lviv to support the ministry there. Woo! Glory to God. Faithful partners. Mm, mm, mm. Well, we just pray that kind of thing every time we sit down to a meal and we play for our government. Now listen to what he said. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Brother Copeland, how can I give thanks for that mess? No, that isn't what he said. In everything give thanks. The giving of thanks is the will of Christ. In not, not the mess. The giving of thanks. You can give thanksgiving right in the middle of the biggest mess you've ever been in in all your life. You can just right then begin to praise him and worship him and give thanks. When I had this thing blow up in my back because of my disobedience, I didn't do what God said, and that disc blew up, and that left leg, oh, oh. Then I got out there in my backyard, and I just started praising God. I had two heating pads, and just the heat turned up on them all I could do and started shouting. I was right out there. I can see where I was from here. I was right out there, and I got my chair, and I set it out there, and I was just screaming to praise of God just loud as I could. Glory to God, my other leg doesn't hurt. Glory to God, my fingers don't hurt. My back, and I don't know. My, oh, I don't hurt anywhere but my leg. Glory to God, I got another good one over here that doesn't hurt. My fingers don't hurt. Think about that. <laughs> And I noticed when I stopped praising God, oh, back here, oh, thank God for the trees. Thank God for the lake. Thank God for the, oh, thank God for the grass. Thank God for anything. I just thank God. Just shout and praise and thank God. And I made up my mind I'm not doing surgery here. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not against surgery. I just made up my heart and mind I'm not going to do this in the name of Jesus. And I had a lot of help. I had a lot of help. 
Dr. Weeder, Dr. Colbert. I had a, a lot of help from Gloria and praying and all and laying hands on me and praise God and just, uh, just go for it. Just go for it. Just praise God all the time. All the time. And I am here today to announce to you that I have no pain in my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The praise cure was a big part of it. Thanking God. It was not his will that that disc blow up in my back. He told me years before, start walking and don't quit. If I'd have done that, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. Anyway, <laughs> quench not the spirit. How do you quench the spirit? In strife. Don't, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just don't see why God let this come on me. Don't he know how bad I hurt? You're not doing yourself any good at all. Now you become double-minded and you're acting to everybody else like you're in faith. Oh, I love God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't quench the spirit of God. Stay in faith and stay in love. Walk in love. I don't care how you feel. You realize that that is a commandment. It is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. Jesus said, I give you another commandment that you love one another. As I loved you and all men will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And then John that wrote that wrote in 1 John, he said, we have known and believed the love that he has for us. Because perfected love casts out fear. Ooh, it's good stuff, isn't it? Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. How? By the word. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Listen. You, listen. I mean, you did, you abstain from all appearance of evil. There's an old saying, and it's the truth. You let the devil in the back seat, seat he's going to want to drive. And he'll get in the front seat every time he can through your mind, through your thinking. Your thinking. Well, how do I do anything about that? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians. Praise God. The 10th chapter. It's all right here. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the mercy, the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Who in presence am I a base among you, but being absent and bold towards you? But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present, the confidence wherewith I think to be bold. Now, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, not human weapons, for the weapons of our warfare, the weapons in prayer of our warfare are not carnal, not of the flesh, but mighty through God. That mighty there is dunamis. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with power, dunamis who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. But our weapons of our warfare, they're in the spirit. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, casting down imaginations and reasonings 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought, bringing into captivity every thought, put it in prison, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience of thought when your obedience is fulfilled. I got, I got under the care of it in, in, in the TV department and all these big bills and I, oh Lord, we got six million dollars behind. Well, and the Lord said, look at that, every, every, every department but the, but the one you were worried about had the best year they ever had. I didn't know that. He said, you've been carrying the care of that. Ooh, I flipped my Bible open there to 1 Peter 5, and I said, I cast, I roll all the care of this $6 million over on you, and I'll never pick it up again. I will not touch that in my thought life again. There it is right there. And it would come up, and I said, no, no, I don't think that. I put that, I put that thought in prison, and I shut the door on me. No, I don't, no, no, I don't think that. I'd go to bed at night, I said, no, I don't think about that. Thank God that's paid. Thank God it's paid. I don't touch that. I don't touch that in my thought. No, 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 don't put that on me. No, 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 no. And after about a couple of weeks, I didn't think about it as much. And then, you know, three or four weeks, and it was just gone. It kind of drifted through my mind. And I said, no, that's gone. You're gone. It's paid. By faith, that $6 million is paid. By faith, it is paid. They told us it's going to be probably a year because you've got to get... You have to receive that $6 million. And the, and the TV bill was a couple million a month, something like that. That'll, that'll keep any guitar picker picking. But so, anyway, I just rolled a care of it over, and I called George, and I said, look, I just rolled a care of all that over on, on God. He said, well, I do too. Praise God. That bill was paid and six million dollars was paid and we're paying the regular bill all the time. What was it, Tim? Two months? Two, two, three months? And the next month was the first time we ever paid the whole bill at one time. <laughs> so when I got out under it and let Jesus have it, you know, I just rolled the care of it over here. I said, that's not my care. Nope. And like Brother Jesse, Brother Jesse take a bill like that. He'll say, you have mail. <laughs> he does it. We've learned how to do that, but don't pick it back up because it is my care. And I pick it back up. I mean, the Lord said, pitch it back over there to you because it's yours. You did it. Now here. No. Leave it with him. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, thank God, is my caretaker. Thank good. Because I've put all the care over on him. Amen. Because it's not his will for you, for me, to be anxious and worried and full of care and of anxiety over anything. I don't care if it's high gas prices. 
I don't care what it is. It is not his will for you to worry and sweat about it. It is his will, according to the third chapter of the book of Revelation. He said, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Open the door and let me in and I'll sup with you. Well, this is an Eastern book. Western minds have trouble with it. But you have to remember, this is a covenant book. And if he said he'd do it, he'll do it. And so, when he said that, and, and he said um, that I will, I will come in and I will sup with you. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with, with him and, and he with me. He that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say. Now what that means is, in, in covenant speech, he is saying, I will come in and I'm the, I'm the senior here in this covenant. I will come in and I will take care of everything in the house. I'll take care of all the food. I'll take care of everything. As long as you'll let me stay there with you, I will take care of everything. I will see to all the food. I will see to everything you need in that house and in your business because you're an overcomer. And if you will continue to overcome all your life, then I will grant you to sit with my throne as I sit with my father in his throne. Dear Lord, my, oh, great, oh, Lord, God, hallelujah. And we're out of time. Okay, I'll be back in just a moment. Join Kenneth Copeland at these upcoming KCM events. June 9th through 11th, don't miss the Fargo Victory Campaign in North Dakota. August 1 through 6, bring your whole family to the Southwest Believers Convention in Fort Worth, Texas. And October 27 through 29, come to the Omaha Victory Campaign in Nebraska. KCM events are free to attend. Go to kcm.org slash events for more information. As a born-again child of God, you have a covenant that is guaranteed by the blood of Jesus. That means every promise God made in his word is rightfully yours. Jesus said in John 16, 23, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. It's through him. It's through his name. It's through his blood that we have legal access to the blessing of the Lord. Well, today is Offering Day on the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast, and we'd like to present you with an opportunity to respond to the word that you've heard. One of the guaranteed promises of God is found in Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. It says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. When you sow into the word, you received. You then qualify to reap a harvest. Kenneth and Gloria Copeland appreciate our partners and our friends for all of your faithfulness to Kenneth Copeland Ministries and to God.
Your financial seeds and your prayers have helped us send this uncompromised word of faith from the top of the world to the bottom and all the way around the middle on every available voice. Every download, every book, every magazine, every social media post, every Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast and meeting is bringing more souls into the kingdom. And it's helping believers grow and strengthen in their faith. Father, I thank you for all of those who have given today and thank you that you are multiplying that seed and they are reaping a mighty harvest. In Jesus' name. I am so glad that we could spend this two weeks together. And I believe the Spirit of God has helped us come to a place where we have more understanding about God's side of our prayer life. We'll see you again. Until then, remember this. God loves you, and we love you, and Jesus is Lord. Thank you for sowing into Kenneth Copeland Ministries. To give by text, text the letters KCM to 36609. go folks what a deal what a place huh what a marvelous way of getting into prayer let's go ahead and pray the our father please our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming here. God bless you. In Jesus' name.
I should say, I know him not, and I shall say a liar, like unto you. But I know him, and keep his days. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it in his way, and said, The Jews are living. Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Yeah. 